This is Glistening Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories from people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. In this episode, I'm talking with Kayla Sabika. She's an actor and an uplifting tarot card reader from Canada. We met in kind of a funny way, like always. And what you'll find in this episode is that our story goes kind of all over the place from things about family and truth and following your passions, like we always do, but in a whole new way. So enjoy the story with Kayla. Hi, Kayla. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jane. Thanks for having me. I am so glad to have you here because um, we have kind of a funny story how we met. And this, for everybody out there listening, is something that you should just totally pay attention to, is the the things that can happen just through everyday social media. Absolutely. So, so we met, um, we both are in a Facebook group called The Firestarters, which is related to Danielle, um, okay, Danielle Laporte. Did I get that right? You I can't did. I'm blanking that out. Boy, I'm blanking Danielle that out. Laporte. <laughs> yeah, so and I love her work. I follow her everywhere. So the fact that I had to pause on her name, but she's just Danielle to me. So I forget to think of her last name. So yeah. we met there um, um, in a really fun and random way. So Kayla, I'll let, let you tell what you offered up and how I ended up having a conversation with you. Okay, great. So I've been following Danielle Laporte for probably about five years. And the Fire Starter Sessions was the first book that I purchased from her. And this book is about getting that fire in your belly going, um, you know, throughout all aspects in your life. And it's really just living with passion. And that's something that is so important to me. And so I joined this group to find a community of like-minded people to connect with. And so through living my passions, I have like, I'm an actor, I'm a writer, I'm a creator, a producer, and I'm also super into the metaphysical. And what I found about like creatives in general is that they really pay attention to their intuition, their gut feeling, and their senses. And so it's a really natural fit. And so I've studied um, the tarot quite thoroughly. And I did a little contest. Um, I have a new website. It's called upliftingtarot.com. And so I ran a little contest and I included this contest um, on my Facebook in the Firestarters. And there were about like at least 16 people who like commented that they want to be entered into this contest. And so I pulled a card for each person and the person that I felt needed the reading most was Jane. <laughs> <laughs> you know, probably everyone listening is thinking, yeah, we could have told you that was saving you the time on that. <laughs> and I was so excited because, first of all, 
Um, I've always been really intrigued by tarot card reading. Actually, I have a couple decks that I like play around with, but I don't really know what I'm doing, which is part of I the problem. Yeah. And, um, but I'm always afraid to like, I have, I'm like, maybe they'll tell me something I don't really want to know. So the fact that your whole premise is uplifting tarot and ways to integrate the the knowledge that you get from the tarot cards into a positive outcome. I liked that. That really appealed to me. And it was so wonderful. I mean, your style with people and the whole message that you gave me was really fun. It was a, a lot of changes in life right now. So it was really fun to go through that with you. Um, yes. What really came up when I was doing all the cards is that Jane was going through the most change mm -hmm. and like people kind of, they can like tend to, you know, freak out during <laughs> changes because they're scared of the unknown. Yeah, right. Definitely. Definitely. And, yeah. But I mean, considering all the changes that you're going through and have gone through, like I really don't, didn't sense the fear in you. There's a lot of excitement mm -hmm. and a lot of just looking forward to the new and kind of getting rid of the old, but in such a transition, it was nice to like sit down and like chat about it and, and read for you. It was really fun. Like if any of you are uh, after the call, uh, all this will be up on the show notes and we'll talk about it again at the end. But if anybody is ever interested, um, it was a, an incredible experience and I, I literally was so uplifted after it. I mean, not kidding. And um, to me, that's worth that's worth it right there. That's worth Good. it. So yeah, how did you find your way? So one more thing to give the listeners. Um, you're in Canada. I'm in the United States. So we weren't like face-to-face -face during that, and it worked out really well just doing it um, over a call. So you don't have to be face-to-face. -face. But um, we really don't, didn't know each other. And then we started talking about the podcast, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I have to have you on because – it sounds like you're living your life with such um, intention and passion and in so many different ways. So how did you find your way to the, the things that you do, um, acting and tarot card reading? Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure, I'd love to. So yeah, I, I'm in Toronto and I grew up here. And um, there was a lot of pressure growing up to go to university and basically get an office job. Um but I, I, it didn't bring me joy. <laughs> and, you know, I remember my parents growing up saying like, you know, we're going to take care of, you know, you going to university basically is one of those things like you go to university, we'll pay for it. Mm -hmm. So it's just another incentive to like get your butt to university. Um, for you in the States, I believe you guys call it college. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Either way, we can we get it. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's like this yeah. is this is the next step. This is what you have to do if you follow the normal path. Normal path. This is what you do next. Yep. Exactly. And so I went to university for a year and a half, and I took environmental studies because I've always really cared about the environment, and I've always like been interested in that topic. And um, I wasn't interested enough. I would go to the theater arts fact like facility mm -hmm. and just sit there and eavesdrop <laughs> on all my time off. And then I stayed for summer school just so I could take like acting Shakespeare and a couple of other, um, arts classes, nothing that had to do with my major. Mm -hmm. What was your and major at that time? environmental study. Okay. So it was that, you know, I think that this is like a huge point we need to like really cement in for people, especially if there are people going into college and making these choices. I did the same thing. <clears throat> so I went to school 
Okay, I'm losing my voice. Uh, <clears throat> I went to school for IT. Right. And I did the same thing. I would go take art classes, like graphic design classes and drawing classes to just like fill up my soul while I was trying to figure out how to write a program to do some sort of simulation that didn't make any sense to me. And people, you need to listen to that. <laughs> Those I are think, the signs. The things you want to go do for fun are the things we need to do for work, for sure. I think that that, that speaks to me so much. Mm -hmm. It's the filling up your soul with, you know, with joy, things that bring you joy to go and do something that's draining you. Right. 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 And yeah. And that's, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> but we it do it. We, people do it all the time. And so that's kind of where the first big shift happened. Mm -hmm. So I had to like face my parents and it was, it was one of the hardest moments that I've had, um, as like, as their child to tell them basically like, I'm going to drop out of this university. I'm going like, I'm going to take acting classes and waitress for a year. And then I'm going to theater school. Like they cried. Like they, oh. it, it was a tough day, but I, I, I cried too, but I was like liberated. I was going to say, how did you feel after that conversation? Like, Sometimes, the, yeah, those hard conversations, those are the ones that um, you look back on and remember the most because, you know, you did something big. Yeah, it just cracked us all open. And I mean, it was in the undercurrent. Like, it's not like I, I mean, I was tired all the time because I had these courses that I had to study for that I wasn't that interested in. And there was procrastination involved. And so I took this year off. And, you know, they had normal fears of that I would never go back to school. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I did go back to school, I was in love with my schooling. I took a very intense theater program. It's uh, a three-year program that's condensed into two years. Mm -hmm. So you get a couple week breaks here and there. Mm -hmm. And it was just, you know, morning to night, um, multiple different classes. We had to write our own scenes. We had to create our own scenes weekly. We had, uh, yoga and, and fitness classes almost every day. We had dance classes. We had vocal lessons. We had singing performances. We had speeches and I loved it. And I aced all of my classes. So for someone who used to be so tired and was struggling academically mm -hmm. to have all the energy for any project that came my way, and to ACE school the way that I did, it kind of was just, it, 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 made, it sense. made it sense. It made sense then. I mean, that's the thing. I think people pay attention to those things because I had the same experience. I mean, my computer classes were super hard. Um, I dreaded them and I would, I even like failed one or two of them. Shh, don't tell yeah. anyone. And, but the art classes, I could sit and work on whatever those projects were for hours and hours and hours and be so happy with them and get A's without even trying, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. someone else would take an, e an IT class and get A's without even trying, right. you know? Cause it's what they loved. It's what they were meant to do. Right. That's what lights them up. Right. And the thing is to not try to fit into something another box that you know you're not comfortable in mm -hmm. because of pressure. I really deal with, you know, when doing readings for people, I really deal with a lot of fears around judgment, mm -hmm. uh, their choices, um, and their dreams. 
And I, I have to ask, like, is this judgment coming from you or coming from whomever? And it can be parents. It could be siblings. It could be neighbors. Um, it could be when it comes to parent, like, um, when it comes to parenting, it's other parents. Mm -hmm. Right. So if I don't allow my child to have a cell phone, then yeah, things like that. So there's a lot of us that are looking off of our path onto other paths and feeling stuck on our path. Right. We're not moving forward because we're not really looking forward. We're looking to the left and to the right. And so we're stalled. It's so empowering though. Once you make the choices because you know, you, you feel it's right. Like even the cell phone thing, I get that. And you know, I have children and I get that, but when I, when I look at it and go, this is what I think is right for my child because it, it falls within my beliefs and what I think is appropriate and what I think is makes sense, it, doesn't, it no longer matters to me what anybody else thinks about it. Whereas I used to be so concerned about what everybody else was you know, looking at and going, oh, what do they think about that or what's their imp- impression of it? You know, I was wondering as you told your story, um, was there a point where your parents really understood what a difference it made for you to make that change and, and embraced it. They were, they were moved and they were, you know, my mom was like heartbroken. Um, just because I left the house oh, okay. <laughs> I had to move four hours away for school. And so she was completely heartbroken, but I, as soon as I got to school, like things moved so quickly for me, I was in, I was like a first, you know, first year I'd been there for my first like month or two and I was already starring in a show there Mm. and they just knew like they didn't worry about it anymore and they support me and they still support me today. Um, so yeah, they completely shifted with me, but it was kind of like there, you know, it's hard for a parent who just wants their child to be happy and stable and has an idea of what that looks like mm-hmm. then go and do something that makes them vulnerable to, um, I guess the need for art, for an artistic person, which it, it, there's this whole issue where they're, they perceive that there's not as much work for an artistic person as there is for someone who has a degree or an office, like wants to work in an office. Right. Like accounting or something like that. So my parents were afraid that I'd be like a starving artist. (laughs) Um, so they always, they always support my work, but they just want to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm okay financially. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like I've had like family members say to me that they'll be happy when I, like when I become a receptionist, (laughs) Like that will give them <laughs> because you know the traveling and the putting on my own shows, which I love to do, mm-hmm. and um, the tarot and all this stuff. Like they just don't understand it. It's just I have so many wheels spinning because I I'm doing things that I I love to do, mm-hmm. and so my schedule's like all over the place, like by their standards. And I totally get that. Yeah, it's and sometimes like I don't have to you know, leave the house at eight o'clock and I'm leaving the house at 11. Right. And they're like, what the? <laughs> Who lives like that? Who lives yeah. like that? Yeah. 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 So what, how do you, how do you measure success for yourself? Cause I think you're they're They're saying they measure the success based on your financial stability and your, you know, your routine. How do you right. measure your success on a day-to-day basis or a, you know, life basis? 
Well, I just want to say like financial stability is something that has always been talked about in my family is something very important. So it's something that I value as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I'm not putting on a show for a couple of months, I will always make sure that I'm working in one way or another. Um, so I work at two theaters, um, that are very lenient with me. So when I need time off, I get time off. Mm -hmm. Um, but success to me is really being in control of my own schedule. It's very empowering because it allows me to create without the fear of something falling apart. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm so thankful for, you know, my, my jobs in, in theater, um, because they are so supportive. They're like, if you need a month off, you need a month off and that's fine. You know, if you mm -hmm. want to work day, then we'll find work for you around here every day. But it's really, really nice. I mean, that that a lot of people don't have that luxury, you know, but that's a nice, but I think it's what you created too. I think it's I created that for myself. Right, right. I applied to, um, this one theater five times. I went in there biweekly <laughs> times and I finally got called in for an interview and they didn't bring it up. But I had seen the person who'd interviewed me at least three times. And I know that they had had my resume five times. And I changed <laughs> my resume. I changed up my cover letter. I did whatever I could. Mm -hmm. um, and then I finally landed that position. And it's because I, I knew I knew that I wanted to be surrounded with like-minded people. And I knew that it wasn't worth giving up on. Mm -hmm. So persistence was part of it, is a big part of it. So um, tell me, like, what is... Tell me one of your, um, like you probably have a lot of story. I always had this, I have this assumption. So maybe, maybe you can tell me if this is right or not. I always have this assumption that people in theater have a lot of crazy fun stories. Yeah, we do. And now I'm trying to think. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you love it when people put you on the spot like that? Like yeah. I can't even, um, I can't even imagine, like it's hard for me to imagine like that kind of lifestyle. It's one that's foreign to me. Yeah. So like, I feel like people yeah. in theater, we kind of just put ourselves into situations mm -hmm. and situations. Mm -hmm. isn't like a, a negative term, but we will go where other people are curious to go. Mm -hmm. We want to be there. We want to see it when, and you know, if something unfortunate happens, I, to me, I just kind of think like I can use this later on. Mm -hmm. Like I have a one woman show it's called Shoka, which means crybaby in Portuguese. Okay. And it's about me reuniting with my estranged Portuguese grandmother after 20 years. Okay. And it's a true story. And of all of my family members, I, for some reason, was the one who was drawn to needing to see my grandmother again. Hmm. Yeah. So, and, you know... I was encouraged not to like my father cut her off when I was only three years old and I would cry about her and I would throw fits about her. And then when I was a teenager, I would get angry and I would rebel and I would say, I'm going to see her and I don't care what you say. And then when I was in my early twenties, I heard that, you know, she was in the hospital and that's when I decided to go and see her. Did she live I, in the area or was it she in Portugal? I was, she lived only five minutes away from walk 
from my other grandmother. Wow. And so all these years, she was just five minutes away, really. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh. And I would like, you know, recite the memories that I had and how the house looked and she smelled like Noxema. <laughs> and yeah, that was a different smell to me. <laughs> it, oh, it totally now I totally like, like you just created that, like lit that memory up. I haven't thought about Noxema in forever. But yes, I remember that smell too. Portuguese people in Toronto used to swear by it. <laughs> so that and Vicks. <laughs> oh yeah, we were big Vicks users and I still yeah. am. I still think it's one of the best things for that chest cold situation. Yeah. My aunt has put it on my feet before. Yeah. That's yeah. the best place. That is. Yeah. Too good. So um, what happened? Do you want to talk about that? What happened when sure. you met her? If you don't, if you feel comfortable talking about it? Yeah. Well, I just feel like with, with, you know, artists, like we get, we get so curious. We just need to see firsthand, mm-hmm. find out what it is. Like we, like, we're not good with mystery. Like we want to go into it. And, um, so I went to her house and she opened the door and she looked the way I remembered her and she couldn't see me very well. Hmm. She could only see like a, just a figure. And I told her who I was and we cried and we laughed and we cried and we had like a a beautiful afternoon. And I went into the unfinished basement of her house and, uh, just to see if it was exactly how I remembered. And it was, Mm -hmm. there is this, like, there is this washroom that's in terrible shape. It's, um, like straight from the seventies, like (laughs) green and mustard yellow tiles. Uh huh. And like dusty mirror, like she can't get down there. Um, she can't do stairs. Uh-huh. And there was a chair and on this chair was a cardboard box. And in the box were pictures of me, my brother, my dad, my mm. cousin, all in frames and dusty. It was just such an experience. And I cried and I, you know, just felt like this overwhelming grief because I felt like it was like time had stopped in that house. Right. Like completely. And to still have all of our pictures just put in a box. Right. That's really, that's really powerful actually that it's almost like, um, you were set aside, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Exactly. So how did the So after the reunion then, what happened next? Did you get to see her more often or was it one time or how did that go? Well, um, at the end of the reunion, my, she lives with my aunt who's also estranged. Oh, okay. My aunt came in and, uh, I had always, yeah, I I remember her like she was very, she had a very sweet voice. Mm -hmm. Um, and she, so she's, Oh, Kayla, you know, I'm so proud of you. Thank you for coming here. I've thought about you. Um, you know, for all these years. And so I asked her for her phone number. I said, let's get coffee and like, you know, give me the phone number for the house for my grandma's house too. So I can come by and, you know, see her. Mm -hmm. So she started to write down her number and she's like, Oh my gosh, like, I don't know what's wrong with me. And so she wrote down her house, the house number, and she wrote down her cell phone number and we hugged and, you know, I called her Tia, which in Portuguese means aunt. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it was nice. It was like, I've got my aunt and my grandma back. Right. Like, this is amazing. 
And I leave. And about a week later, I call my grandmother's house and no one picks up. Hmm. And the week after I call again and no one picks up and I'm kind of worried because I'm thinking like, gosh, like maybe she's in the hospital. Mm -hmm. So I call my aunt's cell phone number and it goes to the voicemail of someone completely different. Someone named Maria. Now my aunt's name is Christine. Uh So long story short, I got two fake phone numbers from my aunt And I went to that house for over a year and knocked on the door and the neighbor across the street, see in little Portugal, uh, a lot of the neighbors stay outside. It's more exciting than what's going on in there. (laughs) It's like, it's like the old times to sit on the porch. Seriously. So she's sleeping the same spot, right? Watching me. That's a really clean spot that she's Uh sleeping all these times. And so she calls me over and she says, listen, the window upstairs is open. <laughs> That's her hint that my aunt is home. <laughs> oh. So she says, your aunt's home. She's been home every time you came here. And, uh, yeah, she's not letting you in that house. Wow. What do you think yeah. that's about? Um, I think that my aunt just doesn't want any part of any sort of reconciliation, mm-hmm. which is fine. Right. Just thought that it was hurtful that sh- that would get in the way of me spending time with my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And so anyways, again, through the grapevine, I hear that my grandmother's in the hospital. And so I go there. Um, and again, we reconnect and she cries. She says, where have you been? And I said, <laughs> trying to come to see you. Mm-hmm. Like I've been trying, but you know, Christine will let you in, let me in. And you know, Christine gave me a couple fake numbers and my grandmother was like, come on. I was like, okay. She's like, no, Christine made a mistake. She didn't give you fake numbers. I said, okay, fine. So we do our thing. I feed her, you know, and uh, I tell her that I'll be back. So I told myself that I'd go back like once a week and feed her. Mm-hmm. So the second and final visit that I ever had with her at the hospital, I brought flowers and I walked in and she can see like a silhouette only. Mm-hmm. It's how she explained her vision at the time. And she said, Christine, like what's with the flowers? Mm. And I said, it's Kayla, mm-hmm. your granddaughter. And, you know, you have to yell for her to like get it because right. she can't very well. And so I was like nervous that my aunt Christine could walk in at any time. I didn't want her to see me yelling at my grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So she said like, basically she's like talking to me as though I'm her daughter, as though I'm Christine. Right. Huh? And, yeah. And so she's like, you know, Christine, um, where have you been? How come you haven't been coming to see me? I got to feed myself and this hospital food. It's good for nothing. <laughs> Some of that never changes, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool. Cause I got to see her in her like, you know, in her element. Yeah. Which is really, it was really cool. And so I sat down, I said, well, do you want me to feed you some yogurt? She's like, yeah, sure. Oh. So I'm eating her yogurt and She's shooting the shit with who she thinks is her daughter. Hmm. Like, I'm like, oh my God, I got to tell her, you know, mm-hmm. but I just, I, I just, it's hard to like yell at, at, at her. Right. Mm-hmm. Hear me. 
So anyway, all of a sudden she remembered these, the flowers and she said, Christine, who brought me those flowers? Mm. So I leaned over and I yelled, Kayla, mm-hmm. your neta, which means granddaughter in Portuguese. Mm-hmm. And she put her right arm up in the air and kind of waved it. And she said, Shoka, which means crybaby. Oh, my gosh. She <gasps> said, take, take those flowers out of here. Go put them on a bench somewhere and leave them there. Wow. That's tragic. I didn't see that coming. I know. It's tragic. That's totally tragic. You know, I can't even fathom that. I can't even fathom that at all. It was the truth, though. Yeah, yeah. And I was so happy to get there Mm -hmm. to the truth. All these years I had this guilt. I don't know why. It was almost like my dad abandoned her. So I abandoned her even Mm -hmm. though I was three. Right, right. And I didn't have any say or control or a car or a way to get to her or information. And I was told growing up that if she wanted to see me, she could. Right. And she was told that she could see me, but I didn't believe it. And I was told about her character and I shrugged it off. And I think that's the thing with artists. Like we need to find the truth out for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think yeah. that, I think that, um, we often like to make up stories about people that we don't have a chance to have that conversation with, you know? Right. And it's such a dangerous thing to do because we can, we can do a couple things. We can put them on a pedestal and, you know, really shift from what, what they really are doing, what their choice, what the choices they're making. I mean, I have this belief that everybody has good in them and they're good and they you know, they have the ability to be, but they, you know, it's choices that they make or whatever. Um, so like when we make up the stories, we, we either sort of like put them on a pedestal and, and don't accept the human choices that they're making or the other way around where we think that there's something wrong with them or they're bad or they've abandoned us or whatever, when really maybe that wasn't it at all. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, so those stories, so I, I really, I, I admire that you went after that, even when you were told not to, when you were warned not to, that you had to go see. And even though I think it's a really tragic reality that you... Um, that you were given at the end. What a life lesson, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It is a life lesson. It does just bring everything into balance for me. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> much, I, much like I, you say, you like to spend time doing the, you know, as much time as you can doing the things that you feel passionate about. It's that way with people too, surrounding ourselves with people who we feel passionate about and who we who reciprocate that, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's that longing for, a relationship with someone that feels so unattainable. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I have such healthy, wonderful relationships with my fam, my my present family, right. <laughs> and like, and my, and I have great friends. Right. Yeah. So it's like looking for something that was never really there to begin with. I guess. Yeah, but it's again. I think we make up the stories. We just we we. Uh, we look at it from whatever lens we have as a three-year-old. That's where you created your belief in the story. And that's the story you were holding on to about the situation. And so as an adult, you had to go 
we, you had to go see it for real and see it with new eyes. And I think we, I mean, I, I know I do that in so many situations too. I, I can see it. Like I could, it happens at work. It happens in my family. It happens with friendships where, you know, we fill in the blanks, like, right. We fill in yeah. the, the gaps. We have like bits and pieces of a story and we fill it in with what, what makes us, what makes us feel best, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And we, and we get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we do. Sometimes we do. Sometimes yeah. we get it wrong. And but, sometimes yeah. we get it wrong um, the opposite way. Right. That's what I mean. Like sometimes we think a person, like we, we eject somebody from our lives or, you know, shut them out because of something, but we don't really know the full story. And then there you yeah. are. And, you know, it's funny that like what I feel like you did with your, with your grandma is really, um, it's not necessarily an uncomfortable conversation, but you put yourself in an uncomfortable situation because you wanted the truth. And I, this quote came up this morning and gosh, sometimes these quotes come up before a podcast that are like meant to be on the podcast. So I'm going to have to read it. It's right. from, um, Mastin Kip. I oh, asked, yeah. yeah, at mastinkip.com. And it says the quality of your life is directly related to how many uncomfortable conversations you're willing to have. Beautiful. You know? So like that lesson that you learned uh, with your grandma and your aunt, that in, in essence is like an uncomfortable conversation, but look at what it gave you as like a huge new appreciation for everyone else around you. Because yeah. now like that story that was untrue is solved and you know the truth and yeah. now everything else is brighter. And I, I find that time and time again, when we're willing to have to face the uncomfortable situation or conversation or, or whatever it is, that on the other side of that is like such a, like a light that, that can't, you can't get to without going through it. Absolutely. Freedom. Mm -hmm. Just that blocked up energy. Yeah. Is just, yes. You know, and you're now able to move through it. Right. It's not a block it's, anymore. It's like not an obstacle. Yeah. So did any of this have anything to do with how you came upon becoming an uplifting tarot card reader? Oh, funny story. Okay. So <laughs> my grandmother, so my strange grandmother, um, she loved mediums and my, she used to take my dad to see like, um, mediums, readers, psychics. And so like, it's kind of like a family thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, I knew that about my grandmother growing up too. And I always thought that was super cool. And so then I start. I had this like interest in it as well. And, um, so I started to see like the first time I saw a reader, I was like 14 years old. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. I know. And then, and then I, I've probably seen one about once a year since. And I have always wanted to get in touch with that myself. And so at first I feel like we're like I had as much interest as I did fear back then. Yeah, I feel that that's how I was too. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to hear something. What if they tell me something I don't want to know? Right. Right. Yeah. But then you, but then I kind of realized that like, you know, I don't do predictions in my readings and I'll tell you why. Because I've gotten my cards read like once a year, like my whole life. <laughs> right. And it's always changed with, the decisions that I've made. Right. Free choice. It shifts everything. Exactly. Where I'm headed, where my energy's going. And so, yeah, this reading's correct in this two month period. Mm -hmm. Then I'll shift. And that wasn't mentioned in the reading. And now I'm going down this path. Right. 
And now I'm going to school, like that kind of thing, you know? Right. Or even like the other people around you that are part of that original reading, that like the players in your life, they might have free choice and choose something different. And now it shifts as well. So it can be a lot of things. They do. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I started playing around with cards when I was about 18 Mm -hmm. and I ha- I I we I got a I got a deck of cards from Chapters, and this was just before I was moving away for school, and I did a reading and I was just floored, floored, floored. <laughs> because everything that was going on in my life was in front of me, so I thought it was like a snapshot of the present moment, and that's mm-hmm. what I call it. Oh, cool. Yeah, and so I I practice uplifting tarot because of the fear that I experienced in the past and overcoming that fear and realizing that there is no definite way or definite answer. And so why don't I use this tool to get people to where they'd like to go instead of talking about where they're at now. Mm -hmm. And so that in itself is an uplifting way because it helps you to see, you know, practical ways that can actually get you onto the path that you want to be on. Or sometimes it's just a perspective shift. Sometimes they're just kind of like overanalyzing or doubting the path that they're on. And then I'll pull the cards and I'll talk about, well, actually this looks like it's going pretty well. (laughs) You know, it is the topic that we're talking about. Isn't what they actually want to talk about. Ah. And they actually want to talk about, you know, usually it comes down to their relationship. <laughs> really? That's so surprising to me. No, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> love relationships are so important, but we'll talk about career or we'll talk about their house, we'll talk about their kids. <laughs> and it's like, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to like, you know, I'm trying to see what you're talking about here, but these cards aren't coming up that way. Right. So get to like the truth of it. Um, but you know what, when it comes to love, something that I really realized through doing, you know, uplifting tarot as well is that sometimes people over give, they over give at work, they over give to their kids, they over give with their spouse mm-hmm. and then they're left feeling so empty, so irritable, so stressed out and asking why, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so I, I won't call it self love, but I'll at least call it like time with self time spent well with self, Mm -hmm. um, and realizing that having boundaries and saying no does make you a more loving person and does allow for more, um, love to be reciprocated by you. So, um, so the tarot card reading then is this, um, how much is like, is that a big part of your life now? Is that a big part of your work? It is. It is. So, I'm a part of a collective of mm-hmm. inner art workers. Um, and so I also practice Reiki and, um, there's, um, reflexologists there. There are life coaches there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, there's over 40 practitioners. And so we co-work together in a space that has six rooms mm-hmm. and it's in Toronto and it's on my website. And so I work out of there and I also work from home mm-hmm. and, um, we've had a lot of like fairs and I've done things for 
um, like work events. And it's the funniest thing. I was just telling my friends last night, we, everyone has a story. Like you can get anyone on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Sure. You that they have, like you can learn from them and we can learn from them by listening to their story. And so like, uh, like for example, we had, um, a wellness fair and I read for over 30 people and there would be someone looking, you know, looking at a bracelet or looking at their watch or their phone and they sit down in front of me and boom, like they were going through something extreme and mm-hmm. you'd have no idea. And that's over 30 people. I don't want to say they're going through something extreme, but we all have a story. Right. Whether well, it's like, I didn't expect to hear the story about your grandma when you came on the podcast today. Right. But I, I think it's a great teach. It's a great experiential story that people will relate to. And maybe it will mean that some people who have a similar situation decide to go reach out and some decide not to, you know, but yeah. I think that, um, because maybe they'll be like, Oh, I wouldn't want to have that experience. But again, I think the truth going yeah. after the truth is always, is always going to give you the better outcome, you know? Well, I do know another person who's also Portuguese. I know people who aren't Portuguese, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) This is my boyfriend's like good friend. My boyfriend's not Portuguese, but it's his good friend. And he went to Portugal to meet with his estranged grandfather. Wow. And he now has a relationship with him. And so does his father. So he was able to get through to him. So it really is like, um, a very individual, you know, Absolutely. This was my experience. That was his experience. And your reconciliation experience could be different. Right. Well, that's why, that's what I say. I'm like, we make up the stories based on the bits and pieces we have and we form a story out of it, but it's never going to be the truth until you find the truth. That's that's all that, uh, that's the only way it can be. And sometimes, I mean, the, the unfortunate thing is sometimes you just can never really know the whole, the whole, the whole truth because uh, maybe all the people that are part of it aren't aren't living anymore, or maybe yeah. they're you can't find them. You know, whatever it is. But um, if you have the opportunity to find it, I think it's always. I, I I would say I think I don't know. Maybe not. I would like to say that it's the best thing knowing the truth, but I think so too. Yeah. At least you know what you're dealing with then. Yeah. Yeah. And not yeah. wondering. Yeah, and you can kind of just like connect the dots backwards. Right. Yeah. So I have another question for you. Um, So we've talked about some of the things that you're doing, you know, your work and how you got there. Are there other things that, is there anything new that you're starting to sort of look into and investigate or that's kind of, you know, tapping you on the shoulder going, um, uh, I want to know more about this, you know, that you're researching or looking into. Is there anything new on the horizon right now? Oh, okay. Well, I'm, it's astrology. And mm-hmm. I've always, I like when I was a kid, I used to go to the public library <laughs> spend hours there going through astrology charts and looking and reading through books and understanding what the aspects mean and just learning more about that. But it's Vedic astrology now, which is really complex. And so I'm just diving in like bit by bit they have things called nakshatras. And what is so that? that is, it just divides the astrological wheel um, 
like three times as much as Western astrology does. Okay. So I feel like it's, it's, um, more specific mm-hmm. and more suited to you and your time of birth. Um, and so, yeah, I've been studying my own, my own, um, Vedic astrology and, uh, my signs and that, and it's awesome. Like it says that I'm like super interested in like psychic things and deep waters and deep emotions. <laughs> arts. And so it's cool. Cause it just kind of like, it's just like a, a little note from the universe. Like it's a nod, like, you know, right. so yeah. I am a cancer rising okay, with a Aries sun. Okay. Gemini moon. So for me, I now after studying the signs, I always start with my rising mm. because the rising, um, is where the sun was you know, the minute that you were born and it sets the whole map of your chart. Whereas your sun sign is just one of the 12 planets, right? Okay. Um, and it's in a one particular position, sorry, not 12 planets, but it's one of the the planets in the 12, uh, possible positions or signs. And so I feel like the rising sign is very important. And so this is just a tip for um, those of you who are listening, if you can find out your rising sign and you can do that online quite easily, when you listen to astrology, I would listen to your rising sign first and then your sun sign and see which one resonates more. Now I only listen to my rising sign. So like, because when they're talking about certain planets going into certain placements within your sign, they're talking about it throughout your rising sign. Oh, okay. That's the whole chart. So are you going to start doing astrology readings for people as well? Um, not in the near future, maybe down the line. I just want to become like very well educated first. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I've been reading about it for years, uh, I just feel like there's so much to know. Um, and then it just goes so deep, honestly. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I want to have a better understanding of it, like a very thorough understanding of it before I offer that service. Very cool. Yeah. So, um, do you have any plays, any shows coming up? Well, um, my one woman show, I'm going to be putting that on a tour next spring. Okay. And so I'm going to be doing it in Canada and I'm going to take it to New York and I'm not sure where else as of yet, but Very for exciting. This, this fall, I have a lot of like, um, material that I've been working on and it feels like it's going to be stand up material and I've never done stand up before. How fun. So, yeah. So I'm taking a, I'm taking a course, um, starting in October so that I have a way to deliver, mm-hmm. you know? And so I'm going to be learning how to deliver. And so by the end of the course, I'll have five minutes of solid stand up. And I have a lot of friends who are in stand-up comedy and they do like 10 shows a week. I'm not even kidding. Wow. It's all about being seen for them. Mm-hmm. I don't see myself as being a stand-up comedian. I just feel like I can use that in my one woman shows that I write mm-hmm. that I can use this like stand-up quality. That's so exciting. I really love how you keep exploring new things and then integrating them into what you love to do already. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Yeah. I, I, I've read, um, before 
it's not an uncommon idea. It's basically just to have your life and your work be one. Yeah. I feel like I'm doing that myself in some ways right now. Yeah. Yeah. So not have your work feel like work. Just have, it's just a part of my life. So where, so where can people find you? They can find you doing your show next spring. They can find you online at your website, which is what again? Upliftingtarot.com. All right. And or then... find me, um, on Facebook. I have a Facebook page. Um, if you're interested in like theater and like comedy and drama uh-huh. <laughs> um, and that's Kayla Subica. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's where I'll be posting my uh, upcoming dates. Okay, great. And um, yeah. <gasps> Exciting. Well, this has been so fun talking with you, Kayla. And I love the randomness of how we met. And um, I can't just say enough about how great the experience was having the reading with you as well. So thank you for that. It was a gift. Jane, I loved reading for you. I am so glad that we connected. Thank you for having me on your podcast today. All right. Well, hopefully we'll get you back again and hear more about your show next spring. Okay. Yeah, that would be great. Thank All you. Right. Take care. Hey, thank you. You too. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. Okay. Tell me you were not blown away by the story with the grandma. Wow. I did not see that coming, but it really made me think about a story in my life right now where I am filling in the blanks because I don't have all of the truth. I don't have all the information. So I'm filling it in. I'm feeling a lot of emotion attached to it, like Kayla said, how she felt guilt and other things about her grandma. And so I decided I'm going to try to put that story away. If I can, I'll try to find out the truth. And if not, I'm not attaching emotions to it anymore. You know, we we just don't know sometimes what the full story is. I hope you enjoyed hearing Kayla. And definitely, if you like tarot card readings, reach out to her because she is amazing. Thanks for listening. See you next time.